we're in week two of our series, What Life's All About. And the first week, we just talked about how we are called. And we're not called for our purpose. We kind of tend to think life revolves around us. But it really doesn't. It really revolves around God. And to understand your purpose in life and your calling in life, you have to begin with God. Because God's the one who created us. You can't tell yourself what your purpose is. Only your creator can tell you what your purpose is. Your purpose, your calling in life, actually begins with the nature of God. The Bible tells us that God is love. That God doesn't just have love. God doesn't just show love. But God is love. It's his very nature, his essence, his character. There would be no love in the universe if it wasn't the fact that God is love. And the only reason that we're able to give or receive love is because God, who's a God of love, made you and I in His image. Think about it. Ants can't love. Snails can't love. Cows can't love. But human beings love because we're made in the image of God. And the only animals really that can love, if you think about it, are those that God created mankind to love. So if you're alive, it means God loves you and you were created as an object of God's love. The reason God made you is so you could experience that love and He could express that love. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, Paul writes this, Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. It gave God great pleasure to create the world. Why did He create the world? For you and for I. Because God wanted a family. And the Bible says that you are planned for God's pleasure. And the reason you're alive is God made you to love you. In this series, when we look at God's calling on your life, we're talking about God's assignment, God's purpose for your life, God's reasons for creating you. And we're going to dive right in. Purpose number one in life, you were created to be loved by God. The first purpose, the first reason you were created is to be loved by God. God made you to love you. Think about that. The first purpose of your life is not to serve God. The first purpose of your life is not to trust God. It's not to obey God. It's not even for you to love God. No, the first purpose of your life is to let God love you. God didn't create you in the first place to do something. He created you in the first place to receive something. You see, if you don't understand this revolutionary truth, it's going to be tough. But if you can get this, it'll transform your life. My first calling in life is not to do something for God. It's to receive something from God to get His love. Because here's what you got to understand. Human beings were made to be receptors, receivers, a receptacle of God's love. It's not to do something. It's not to pray. It's not to give. It's not to sacrifice. It's not to serve. Those are all good things that the church does. But they're not the first thing God created you to do. He created you to accept, to receive His love, to let God love you. A lot of people are like, well, man, I can't see God's love. But you know what? If you look around close enough, you can. I mean, you can't see 
television waves that are going all through this room right now. Color television waves, radio waves. But if you have a receiver, if you have a cable box or an antenna or radio, you could tune into that. And we as human beings have to tune into God's love and be receptors of that love. He created you to accept, to receive His love. That's our first calling. And this is taught throughout Scripture. Jude 1.1 This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. So the first thing First purpose in life is to be loved by God. But our calling, number one, our first calling in life, because of that, is to enjoy a relationship with God. My purpose is to let God love me. My calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. I'm called to live in the love of God. It's a relationship. What I'm saying is your number one calling in your life is not a role. It's not a responsibility. It's not a bunch of rules or regulations or ritual. It's a relationship. Christianity is not a religion. People try to make it a religion all the time. They try to make it about rules and regulations, but it's not about that. Jesus said it's about a relationship. God sent His Son so you could have a relationship, not a religion, because God is love and He wants you to experience His love. What type of relationship does God want with us? God wants you, watch this, to be his son or his daughter. We're called to be his own holy people, to be his son or his daughter. That is the most amazing truth you'll ever hear in your life. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all the universe, doesn't want you to be his minions. He wants you to be his son or his daughter. God wants a family to love, and he wants you in it. 1 John 3.1 See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called, here's the key, children of God. And so we are. We're not minions. We are children of God. This is your number one calling in life. Your number one purpose is not to accomplish something, make something of yourself. Your number one purpose is not to make a lot of money or be famous. Your number one purpose in life and calling in life is to experience the love of God. Most people have never truly experienced the love of God. They've heard about it. And a lot of people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches because they get it here, but they've never received it right here. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. His love is extravagant and it's lavish. It's beyond comprehension. He loves you because that is God's nature. God is love. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. I pray that from his glorious, watch this, unlimited resources. God has unlimited resources. We know that. I pray from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. He's talking about becoming a believer. Check this out though. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, check this out, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Paul, the great Apostle Paul, goes, even I don't quite get my arms around this. 
But he says, but if you get it and experience it, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Paul says God's children should know how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is for us. So how wide is it? Well, I'm glad you asked. God's love is wide enough to be everywhere. That's how wide it is. There's no place on this planet that God's love isn't. There's no place in the universe that God's love ends. It's in the bar where people are drunk. It's in the red light district where people are selling their bodies. It's in the ghetto. It's in the penthouse. There's no place where God's love is not. And like I said before, you say, I don't see it. Well, it's here. It's like you don't see radio waves, but they are here. You know, I've often had people ask me, Lenny, have you been to Israel? I know you know a lot about the Bible. and I've never been to Israel. I've studied about Israel. I've got maps about Israel. I've read about first century Israel. Never been to Israel. Don't really care to go to Israel, just to be honest with you. People are like, really? People think God's love's like more thick in Israel. It's not. It's everywhere. It's just as strong in Oviedo as it is in Montreal or anywhere. Anywhere in the world. It's everywhere. You got to tune in to God's love. There's a lot of things you can't see like radio waves. You can't see an atom, but everything in life is composed of atoms. So how wide is God's love? It's so wide there's no place you can go that God is not. And although you may feel lonely, you may feel alone at different points in your life, you will never, ever truly be alone. Because God's love is there whether you're aware of it or not. It's wide enough to be everywhere. Oftentimes I'll have people talk to me about times when they were upset. I like to ask people, have you ever cried alone? Almost everyone will say, yes, I've cried alone. And I say, no, you haven't. God was there. In fact, there's scripture that says he counts your tears. He collects them. You're never alone. God's love is wide enough to be everywhere. So how long is God's love? God's love is long enough to last forever. And that makes it different than human love, doesn't it? Because humans, humans sometimes their love wears out. That's why we have divorces. That's why we have breakups and conflict. That's why we have people estranged from each other that they're never reconciled. Human love oftentimes wears out. But God's love never wears out. And by the way, just a little side note. That's why like in marriage relationships and family relationships and any relationships, you want God at the center of it. Because you'll never love each other the way that you need to love each other, the way that God's called you to love each other, without God's love being in your heart at the center of that. Sometimes me and my wife, sometimes I'll just get so frustrated with my wife. And, and I love the way April just so, she kind of is cocky about it. She'll go, <laughs> what you going to do? <laughs> you know, because she got me, you know, she's like, I'm like, I'm married to her, man. And I got to follow Jesus. And, you know, there's nothing I can do. I got to work it out. And that's God's love. See, human love, I can just go, ah, just leave. But she knows I can't because she knows God's at the center of that thing. And it's not her at the center. It's God at the center. I'm able to love her better because of God. God is love and he creates us to love. God's love is eternal. He made you to love. He loves you with an everlasting love. It's long enough to last forever, and it will last forever. So how deep is it? God's love is deep enough to handle anything. No matter what pain you're going through, what problems you're going through, what hurt you're going through, God's love is deeper still. You say, I'm in the pits. I've hit rock bottom. I'm in the pit of hell. I'm in the pit of despair. I can't get any lower. 
Guess what? God's love goes deeper and lower than your problem. There's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper yet. It's deeper than any problem you're ever going to have. Deep enough to handle anything. Well, how about God's height? How high is God's love? God's love is high enough to cover my sins. Any of them. To cover my faults. To cover my mistakes because of Jesus Christ. God is able to overlook my faults, my failures, my flubs, my sins, my rebellion. And God offers forgiveness through the cross because of His love. He offers you a fresh change to start over each and every day. Each day is new when you walk with Jesus. So here's the question. How would your life change? How would your life be different if you were to become aware of God's unconditional, continuous, and never-ending love for you? How would your life change if when you got up in the morning, the first thing you felt was, oh, I'm deeply loved by God. As you got out of bed and you went to take a shower, you'd think, man, I can sense God's love all over me. You got ready and ate your breakfast. You felt the love of God. You got in your car and went to work. Like Bill said, somebody cuts you off. and You're okay because you just sense the presence and the love of God. How would that change your life? Well, I can tell you it can change it greatly. I could give you a thousand ways that it's going to change your life, but we can't be here all day, right? So I'm going to give you five this morning quickly. Five ways. What happens when I learn to become aware that I am loved unconditionally, deeply, and eternally by God? There are five results of knowing God's love. And result number one is I feel accepted rather than ashamed. And that'll change your life. A lot of people go through life avoiding God, and the reason they avoid God is because they're ashamed. They feel guilty. They feel under condemnation. They feel judged and criticized. They figure, you know, God's a perfect God, and I'm not, so... Why in the world would I want to hang out with a perfect God who's simply going to remind me of all the ways I've failed? Because that's not what God does. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world. We know John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He sent His one and only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have life everlasting. John three seventeen goes right with it. For God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but to save it. Sometimes we forget that. Paul wrote in Romans, For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a no-condemnation lifestyle. Romans 5.1 says this, By faith we have been made acceptable to God. And now, because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we live at peace with God. When God looks at you, He sees a son, if you're a believer. We know we're not perfect. But we wear the perfection of Jesus Christ. He lives in our heart. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And that's the miracle, the saving miracle, the grace of the gospel, is that God looks at you and goes, oh, there's my son, there's my daughter. I love you. We've been made acceptable. And that's acceptable needs to be focused on. Because of his love, I live in peace with God. Let me tell you why that's so important. Because it sets you free from the addictions you have to have approval. A lot of us have spent our entire life trying to gain the approval of other people. I know that that describes me. When I was a little kid, and I got to be really good at music, and man, I started playing those drums, man. You couldn't keep me away from a drum kit. And the main reason I got into music and played drums so much, you know why? I wanted love. I wanted approval. I was looking to seek approval from other people. A lot of times people talk the way they do in order to get other people's acceptance and approval. You do certain things in life. Some things you don't want to do, you do to get approval of others. And sometimes we can become addicted to people's approval. 
We're trying to gain approval, sometimes from unpleasant people. We'll never get their approval. It's crazy. But when you realize that God loves you unconditionally and with no conditions, you realize, I don't need the approval of other people. It sets you free. I don't need the approval of other people to be happy. A lot of times in our life, we're worried about what other people think. And that's because you don't feel total unconditional love of God. And when you don't experience God's approval, you try to get approval of other people. But when you know God loves you, criticism doesn't bother you that much. It just doesn't. God loves me, and I like me, and you don't like me. Well, that's your problem. It really is. I don't know if you guys are aware, but, you know, pastors sometimes receive a little bit of negative criticism. My wife calls them Facebook trolls that like to message Lenny. And I take the bait because I want to reason with them. And they'll just attack and just go after me and threats. But eventually I just have to go, you know what? If God's for me, who can be against me? I don't need their approval. Check this out. Romans 8.33 Who can accuse the people God has chosen? No one. Because God is the one who makes them right. If God is for you, no one's against you. If God lives in you, you got to be able to go, you know what, if they don't like me, I would like for them to like me. As much as it depends on me, I need to be at peace with all God. But you know what, I can let that go. It frees me up. There's a second result, and that's result number two, is I am bold in bringing my needs to God. I'm bold in my prayers. Why? Because I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a member of the family. So I know God loves me unconditionally. And when I pray, I can talk to him about anything because I'm his son. You know, when my kids were little, they'd come up to me. If you don't know, I got 1,500 kids. And I really, I only have five. But, but they assumed I knew everything. They assumed I had everything and could afford anything. And they would just come up to me and ask me for anything. They've learned a little bit as they've gotten older. They realize I can't afford anything. But think about it. With God, it's true. He has unlimited resources, as we read earlier. And that's why I always say, pray big. Are your prayers big enough to honor our big God? Romans 8, 14 and 15. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's, God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. Very important, Abba. Father, Middle Eastern term. First thing any baby says in the Middle East is usually not mama. It's because their language is a little different. It's Abba. Abba. And what he's saying is we approach God, we shouldn't be afraid. We should just be like Dada, Papa. Come right to him to be bold. You don't have to come to him with some fancy phrase. I mean, if my kids, when they needed allowance money... If they'd have come to me and said, Oh, thou most gracious progenitor of the Falk family, thou wonderful observer and keeper of all thy family. What would I say? I'd go, what are you talking about? Now, my daughter just smiles at me. Okay, what do you need? I need cash. You know? I'm like, oh, okay. Because they know I love them. Me as a sinful father... If my children can understand that I love them, they can approach me with anything. Why don't we boldly approach the throne of grace? A while ago, I rented the uh, DVD of the movie Lincoln. I'm kind of a history buff, so I love history. You know the coolest thing about Lincoln, and I've read about Lincoln, I know quite a bit about him, 
It's not what a great leader he was in the movie. The thing that hit me the most in the movie was how he gave total, complete, unconditional access to his youngest child, Tad. He's the most powerful man in the world in the most tumultuous situation in American history. A civil war is going on. This guy is busy. He's meeting with the Secretary of Defense. There's a line of people outside the Oval Office waiting to meet with him. They've had an appointment for weeks. Here comes a little tad, just barging right in. You know what Lincoln would do? Secretary of Defense had to wait. Tad had complete access any time he wanted to. Tad would come pulling in with a trailer. I'm watching this movie. I go, how cool is this? What a good dad Lincoln was. Why was Tad able to barge in on the president whenever he wanted? He was a son. He was a member of the family. He had privileges. And sometimes we as Christians forget this. We're a son. We're a daughter. We have privileges. We can barge in. God's not going, oh, sorry, I'm busy. He's God. He's able. He's willing. He wants you to come boldly. And when you get this, when you get God's love, you just come boldly to his throne of grace. You can ask him about anything, anytime, anywhere. You're a child of God. You get special privileges. You're bold in bringing your needs to God. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You need to be bold in your prayer. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're loved unconditionally. Jesus said you can ask anything in my name. I feel accepted rather than ashamed. And I'm bold in praying my needs to my Abba Father. When I understand God's love and I experience it, not just know it, there's a third result. I have peace and pain that I don't understand. Anybody ever experienced that? Peace and pain that just, there's no understanding. It's like, I mean, you're going to have things happen in your life that you don't get. You're going to have things happen where you go, God, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? Why now? Why this? That's just a part of life. Let me say this up front. God doesn't owe you an explanation for why he allows anything. Do you know that not everything that happens in the world is God's will? God hates evil, and evil is done every day in this world. And you know what? God could very easily take all evil away. But you know what he'd have to do? He'd have to take our free will away first. The greatest essence in all of the universe is God's love. It is the mountaintop. It is the peak of existence is God's love. And without free will, there can be no free will to love. See, God has to allow us to have free will. He has to allow evil to exist in order for love to exist. You can't have one without the other. And so he allows these things to happen. And you go through life and you don't understand. You experience pain, rejection, problems. Here's the thing. You don't have to understand them to be at peace with them. In fact, an explanation won't give you any peace anyway. Since my best friend died one year ago, people have come in and been giving me all these explanations. God needed him in heaven, you know, and all this stuff. And you know what? That doesn't bring me any peace. It just doesn't. Well, you know, I mean, I've just heard everything. And I want you to know that none of the explanations for why my friend had to die with ten children has brought me any peace. But you know what can bring me peace? There's only one thing that can bring me peace in the whole situation. I know God loves him. I know God loves me. And I know he's in control. Check this out. When you're hurting, what do you need? An explanation? No. You need peace. 
Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. What is the peace that surpasses understanding? It's when you feel the peace that you don't even understand what's going on. I don't understand what's going on, but I do understand this. God's a good God, and I know He loves me. And I, and I do know that He wants what's best for my life. And I know I can trust Him even when I don't understand it. That's the peace that surpasses understanding. It comes from the love of God in your life. I remember uh, years ago, one of my wife's friends, my wife's a writer. She's a member of this writing club. And this guy, he'd been to our house a couple times, a couple parties. I'd met him. He seemed like a nice guy, but I didn't know him. He called my wife and he's going, hey, I need to talk to your husband. She's like, well, you don't really know my husband. I need to talk to your husband. Will he meet with me? She's like, well, I'm sure he will. And the gentleman was having problems with his marriage. So I meet with him, and we met at Panera Bread. And he begins to tell me about his marriage, and it was in crisis. They had a child together. And I asked him, well, do you, you know, do you want to reconcile the relationship with your wife? Do you want to work on this? This can take a lot of hard work. He goes, I'll do anything. I'll go to counsel, and I'll meet with you. I'll do anything to save my marriage. I'm all in. And so I explained to him, I said, well, it takes two to tango. You know, you're in, but is she going to be in too? Because we need her to work hard at this too. Then we can make this thing work. And he goes, well, I don't know. And then I took the opportunity to say, well, let me tell you something. There's something that you need in the center of your relationship right now, and it's Jesus Christ. You need his love. You need him right now. That's what you need. Because you might not get the answer you want. And this man, right in the middle of Panera Bread, people all around us, I prayed with him, and he decided to ask Jesus to come into his heart and to be the Lord of his life. I thought, wow, man, God finally used me. Great day. I sent him on his way praying for him that his wife would be tenderhearted and, you know, open to reconciliation. He called me later that afternoon, and he said, she's out. She said, no way. She will not meet with you. She will not meet with the counselor. She doesn't want to see me. The marriage is over. I was like, man. I go, I'm so sorry. He goes, but there's this funny thing. He goes, I ought to be devastated, but I don't know how to explain it. I'm more at peace than I've ever been in my whole life. The peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what that man was experiencing. He goes, I don't get it. I go, that's God's love. That's what you get. You get this peace where I can trust God in a moment when everything's falling apart. There's a promise in the Bible. It's the verse for this whole series, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And when we live the calling and we live out our purpose and we let God love us and we love God back, we can know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. And that gives us peace that surpasses understanding. There's a fourth result. And result number four is I gain the courage to take risks. I gain the courage to take risks. A lot of Christians overlook this. But when you know God has your back, he loves you no matter what. He's got you, you know what I mean? It gives you amazing courage to take risks. I'm not talking about stupid things. I'm going to jump off the Grand Canyon and trust that God's going to... No, 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 no. 
I'm talking about living life in such a way where you're thinking, you're praying, you're making strategic decisions, but you're like, I'm going to go for it. I read an uh, article about a poll that was taken with 94-year-old men who had clarity of thought. It was interesting because I go, man, I want to hear what these 94-year-olds had to say. And there were two things that they said they had regrets for that kept repeating over and over. One was they wished they had invested in something that would last long after their lives, which made sense to me. Okay, yeah. But there was a second thing that surprised me that kept repeating over and over. They wished they had taken more risks in their lives. Because sometimes we're just scared and we're afraid to step out. In the last 15 years, I thought about all the risks I've taken. I've taken some crazy risks. When I got married, I married a single mom with three girls. I was a single dad with two kids, which is going to be a blended family of five. I started a church in Lake Mary all at the same time. My counselor said, this better be God, because if it's not, you're nuts. And this thing's going to blow up in your face. You're going to be divorced. The church plant didn't quite go the way I wanted it to, to be honest with you. Everything done. But you know what? I don't regret any of the risks. And I have a beautiful wife and a lovely family. And you know what? One of my daughters, my natural daughter said to me, she said, Dad, this is our real family. This family. You can relate to that. This is our real family that God's put together. Those are my real sisters. And she's my real mom and you're my dad. And it just broke my heart. But you know, sometimes we just need to take risks in our life. God-given risks. Sometimes we have dreams that go unfulfilled because we're scared to go after them. What if I fail? What if I die with unfulfilled dreams? You let him give you that confidence that comes from believing in him. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It's never too late to start trusting God, taking God-given risks in your life. It's like Bill was talking about. We're just going to plan this thing. Well, what if all that planning and he never gets the land? It's about taking a God-given risk and believing and trusting that God's going to do something in your life. I love the story of Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren of Big Church in California. When he was growing up, he wanted to make this redwood table for his dad and mom for Christmas. So he went out in their shed out back, and he told his mom and dad, you can't go in there because I'm working on something for you. And for six months... This young man worked on that redwood table for his mom and dad. Now, Rick Warren's a great pastor, speaker, church planter. He is not a great craftsman. He would kill your Saturdays out if he was here. He would not be a help to you, let me tell you. Now, his dad is a master craftsman. He was a pastor as well. He didn't have a big church, but he actually went around the world and built over 150 churches all around the world. Master craftsman. Anyway, Rick's going six months into this thing. One day, his dad hears him sobbing. He's like, I wonder what's going on. So he goes to the shed and he goes, Knox, can I come in? Oh, come on in. It doesn't matter now anyway. Comes in. Table's all messed up after six months. Had too much stain on one side, not enough. The sanding was all bad. It wasn't level. Everything was just messed up with it. He goes, Dad, I wanted so bad to help you with this, but I've just completely failed. And his dad put his hand on his shoulder, and he goes, that's okay, son. We can start over. And this time, I'll help you. For some of you, God's been waiting for this moment your entire life, where you, for the first time, would get a little inkling of how much he loves you. And he says, hey, it's okay. We can start over. And this time, 
I'll help you. You plus God, guess what that equals? God plus one equals done. It's a done deal. So this is your moment. This is your breakthrough moment. This is the moment where you let go of fear. 1 John 4.18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So let's talk to God about it. This is your moment. Pray with me. I want you to pray this prayer with me that will transform the rest of your life. Dear God, I am so amazed at how much you love me. Thank you that your love for me is wide enough to be everywhere I go. Thank you that your love for me is long enough to last forever. You will never stop loving me. Thank you that your love for me is deep enough to handle all my problems. Thank you, God, that your love is high enough to cover all my sins, all my mistakes, all my faults and failures because of Jesus. God, I want to feel accepted rather than ashamed. I want to be bold in bringing my needs to you. I need the peace that surpasses all understanding. I want to have peace even in pain that I don't understand. I need your love to give me courage to take risks, to go after my dreams. Jesus Christ, as best I know how, I surrender every particle of my life. I want to learn to love you back because you love me so much. I want to spend the rest of my life with that first calling of letting you love me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.